All right, so, so we have a little change in the order. Javier, are you going first? Okay, that's fine, absolutely fine. So we are very fortunate today to have with us Javier Robles, who has been in the business of serving people with disabilities for a very long time, and he can admit to that how many years that is <laughs> he chooses. Um, he is currently an adjunct professor at Rutgers State University, New Jersey, and is also president of Disabled, uh, which provides support to persons with disabilities in a variety of different ways. And he's going to um, speak with us about a topic he suggested a while back for this conference, one that is about finding kind of creative ways of using technology to help open up new job opportunities and otherwise share his insights on this topic. And then after he is finished speaking, we will welcome up Fred Chang, who's the Director of Assistive Technology Services at Advancing Opportunities. So I will let the two of them go to it, and we will have, I think, a little bit of brief question and answer. Javier, whenever you're ready, you can welcome people to ask, ask you questions. During that time, we'll be switching our laptops up here, and then we'll be ready for Fred to do his presentation. So without further ado, Go for it, Javier. Thank All you. Right. Great. Can you guys hear me in the back? Okay. Great. Thank you. Well, this is great because I actually, um, like Gene said, I actually uh, do teach at Rutgers, and at Rutgers they have this setup where I do have a mic, but it's one of those mics where you tie it up right next to a speaker so you can't really move around. And unfortunately for me, my ADHD kicks in right about now, so there may be plenty of moving around. Um, so anyway, Joe talked earlier about the importance of technology um, and how the advancements in technology have made it a lot more, or a lot easier for individuals with disabilities um, to be employed, employable, um, and to be in the job market. So today I wanna talk a little bit about one of my favorite topics, which is social media. Um, I'm assuming most of you know what that is. What that is? How many people here um, have a Facebook account? Okay. How many people here have a Twitter account? And how many people have a, here have a LinkedIn account? Okay. Less. Okay. Good. Which is great um, because we're going to be talking um, a good portion of this uh, about LinkedIn and what it is and why it's important. Um, I'll also talk about Twitter and Facebook for sure, um, although not as much. So, so social media and jobs are like beekeeping. You know you're going to get stung, but you have to do the work. <laughs> That's me there. That's my nephew, Carlos, helping me do my beekeeping. Beekeeping is one of my hobbies. Um, as you can tell, Carlos is not very happy. Um, you can tell by his face. By the way, I found out um, maybe about a month later that Carlos is allergic to bees. <laughs> maybe that's why he wasn't happy in this picture the month before. Yeah, I didn't think your face could swell up that much, but it actually can. Um, so he's told me he's not helping me with my beekeeping anymore. So um, definitely social media um, can, can have a double whammy effect. Um, which we'll talk about. On the one hand, it's great to talk to um, people in India, people in England, people pretty much anywhere in the world. You know, meet new people you've never uh, met. You know, today we can do things 20 years ago we could never do. You know, I still remember um, in elementary school, our teacher saying, well, you know, you can have a pen pal in Ireland, or you can have a pen pal 
in England, and it was all about you know writing out a letter, putting a stamp on it, sending it, and waiting a week or two for them to respond, and you're all like, oh, I wonder if my pen pal will write back or won't write back. I wonder what they'll say. So obviously that has changed because today um, you write an email, you send it out, and whoever gets it gets it in a matter of a second or less than a second, whatever the actual timing is on that, um, and they have your email. So a lot has obviously changed in terms of communication, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So let's talk about a little bit about why social media matters in terms of today's conference and employment. Um, the first thing is, with social media, you can actually build lasting relationships. Um, and those are, for the, the case of um, what we're talking about, professional relationships. Um, you can also create an online network. Um, although networking, as it's still called, um, is great, you know, where you can meet at bars or restaurants or um, have different networking groups in different settings, you can also do what are called online networks. And online networks are great because you, you literally get to meet people from anywhere in the world. They all have different perspectives. Um, and it's great to get different feedbacks from them. Um, on these social media networks, you get to showcase your ability and talents. Um, you get to find out about jobs before your competition does. So if someone else is going for the same job you are, and you are aware of different social media outlets, um, you'll be ahead of the game. Um, one cool thing is you get, to, you get to keep old connections alive. So if you're at a job or a school and you leave, that doesn't mean you don't have to talk to that person again. You know, through LinkedIn and, well, Facebook to a lesser extent, um, you can keep these connections alive. Um, and you can become an information source for others. This is really important because um, one, of my, one of the things I, I always tell people with disabilities is that it's important for you as a person with a disability to get ahead. And it's important for you to get a job. It's important for you to be a contributing member of society. But it's just as important for you to turn around and look back and see that, that there are other people with disabilities right behind you trying to get to where you are. So if you've made it and you have these um, resources and you have information, it's important for you to share them. You know, it costs nothing for you to share, you know, information in terms of, oh, I saw this great job listing and I think you would be great for it. Um, you know, maybe you should apply. So, you know, I tell that to people all the time and I think it's important for you guys to tell other people as well. Um, the other thing social media does, it, it keeps you competitive. And the reason it keeps you competitive is because in order to be good at social media, you have to stay on the ball. If you have a profile on LinkedIn and the last time you looked at it was a month ago, the last time you did anything with it was a month ago, you're already a year out. All right, so if you have a LinkedIn account or any other account which you're using for professional networking or to try to get a job, you should be looking at that daily, at least, or every other day. And the reason is because in the internet world, as you probably know, things change by the minute. Um, you know, your LinkedIn account, which you could be paying for and not paying for, um, you know, someone could put up a message saying, oh, I found a great job and I think it would be a great fit for you. By the time you check that job, someone else could be interviewing for that job. So very important 
um, to stay on the ball. So what are we going to cover today? So we're going to cover how companies and recruiters use social media, um, how they use social media to help you, and how they use social media to weed you out. Um, the importance of staying clean on the net, and I will be the first to admit I'm not the best at this. I talk a lot of crap about politics. I get overly emotional and post up, which later I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, so for you guys who are newer to the game, stay clean. Don't be like me. Um, so you know, where do you stand or sit? We'll talk about that in terms of the media, not physically. Um, and what social media are employers using today, basically to learn more about you. So let me show you a quick clip um, on YouTube. Just to give you a breakdown of what employers are looking at. How many people were surprised by those numbers? Okay. So basically, nowadays, as opposed again to maybe 10 years ago, um, anything you put on the internet can be used against you, and it can also be used in your favor, depending on what you're putting on the internet. Um, you know, employers made hiring decisions based on what was on the on your profile, um, and they also um, made those decisions either in a positive or negative way. So if they made those decisions in a positive way, it's because they looked at your profile and your profile basically fit what they were looking for. Your profile basically um, showed them that you had not lied on your application about your qualifications. 
And it also showed that other people thought highly of you. You got accolades, um, awards, um, and this is especially true on LinkedIn. Although Facebook um, is used most by employers in terms of them looking at your profile, um, when, when we're talking about recruiters, and I'll put that slide up in a second, recruiters mainly look at LinkedIn first and then Facebook second. So there's sort of like a little um, mix in terms of what they look at. Some of you guys are thinking, well, my Facebook profile is private. You know, my employer can't come in and look at it. That's true. But, you know, there are other ways to look at a profile. You know, if your employer knows somebody who knows you, if, you know, there's other ways to look at someone's Facebook profile. It's not just like, oh, it's private, so my employer will never see it. That's not true at all. Um, you know, and we're also going to talk about web pages. We're going to talk about um, maybe some news stories you may have out there that may not be so great. We may, we'll, you know, we'll briefly talk about, um, you know, maybe some blogs that you've put out, although they're not um, as common as them looking at these social networks. So why did I say we're going to talk about LinkedIn? So 98% of recruiting professionals um, made use of social media, and 93% of those placed the candidate using LinkedIn. Um, and I know that when I said how many of you guys are LinkedIn, um, many hands didn't go up. Um, LinkedIn is a great resource, and it's definitely the kind of resource that um, is going to help you in terms of, you know, where you may want to be. It's also a great resource for building up networks, and I'll tell you why. So how do you sign up for LinkedIn? So LinkedIn, similar to any other site, you basically go on, you sign up your, prof your um, information, they send you a confirmation email, um, the email goes to you, and you basically confirm um, your account. Some things not to do. Um, when you're signing up for LinkedIn, uh, if you do not have a professional sounding email, if your email's like boo-boo.com or, you know, something really weird, don't use that email. Set up a new Gmail account. It's free. Gmail is a great free resource. You can use your name. You can pick a professional name um, and then use that email to sign into LinkedIn. Um, be careful when setting up your profile. Make sure that you spell things correctly. Make sure you use spell check. Um, make sure that you are honest in setting up your profile. Edit your qualifications. There is a qualification section where you put in what your qualifications are. Um, don't exaggerate. You know, again, employers for the most part can find out a lot about you just by going back to Facebook or to Twitter or whatever. So if they start at LinkedIn and you say, I was the manager of Rite Aid, and you, they go back to your Facebook account and all everything is how I hate my stock job at Rite Aid because stocking cans really sucks and so forth and so on, that's not going to look good for you. So um, there's a summary section that's very important on LinkedIn. Basically, it's a summer, summary of who you are. It's your opportunity to tell the employer, um, this is who I am, this is what I'm about. Um, again, um, I would suggest always have 
someone else read um, your profile. I force myself to have someone else read my profile. Usually it's my wife. Um, my wife is super nitpicky, which bothers me. Um, you know, I know she's right, but I'm like, okay, you're right. So I go ahead and change it, but I'm like, eh. Um, <laughs> I know I'm like a stubborn person, but um, I, I force myself to do that. And I think it's important um, if you want a job and you're going to use these things, um, the best way to sort of force yourself out of your comfort zone. I mean, it's easier just to put something up there and let it go and see what happens. Um, but it's going to be better for you if you put something up there that, that's really going to work, that's really um, well-written. Uh, a part of LinkedIn um, is a skills that you add that you have. So under LinkedIn, you can add, let's say you have the skill public speaking or a skill in teaching or a skill um, you know, in Excel. You would put all these things down. And then basically, someone would come back and say, oh, yeah, you know, this person is great at that. Um, and you'll get endorsed. As you get endorsed, those endorsements go on your profile. So if a headhunter or recruiter hits upon your profile, which they do often, they'll be like, oh, we're looking for somebody who knows how to use Excel. And in the Excel category, you have like 50 people saying you're like the best person at Excel. You know, that might be a good opportunity for a headhunter to call you and say, you know, would you be interested in meeting us for an interview? Um, you can also get recommendations on there, which is great, where people can, you know, you, you go out to people you know and say, would you be able to recommend me? They go back and they'll be like, oh, I recommend this person because so, so, and so. Um, and that's really good on LinkedIn. So how do you maximize LinkedIn? Um, we talked about briefly about updating your profile. Um, super important. Um, keep your profile up to date. If you do an internship, if you volunteer, um, if you got if you got a new job, whatever it is, new hobby, you can put all that in LinkedIn. Um, make sure your bio and headlines stand out. Those are two very important things um, in LinkedIn. Um, keep it professional, um, and by that I mean, don't think of LinkedIn as Facebook. You don't want to put your baby photos up there. You don't want to put your photos of you drunk up there. Just everything professional. Because you can, nothing's stopping you from doing that. But I'm telling you, if you do that, people are just going to go right by um, your account. It's a great opportunity for you guys to research companies and employers within that network. So let's say you live in New Jersey. If you live in New Jersey, um, you basically can narrow your scope of employers that you want to search for. You can use keywords that you want to search for, and you could see who's hiring at that time within that network, because they'll put that stuff up on LinkedIn. You can add people to your network. Very important, when you meet, let's say I meet five people today, and I know they're all on LinkedIn. I could go back home, look up their names, and add them to my network. Um, if you're doing job search, in terms of job search, networking and contacts, it's very important. Because those five people that you met today may lead to a job. A very cool thing on LinkedIn, um, I'm part of a few groups. Um, I'm part of some beekeeping groups, but I'm also part of some disability and networking groups. Um, you can join 
a bunch of groups. You can start your own group. Let's say you're great at social media. Let's say you're great at whatever. You can start your own group and then have people join. Um, and within those groups, people can share information. They can share resources. They can share jobs. So it's also a great, uh, you know, another great way to network and find out about jobs and so forth. On LinkedIn, like on a lot of social profiles, we don't want to overshare. So, you know, just because you're part of a group or just because you started a group doesn't mean you want to, like, bombard people with, like, information all the time because when you share, they get an email. When you share, they get an email. You know, if they get, like, 50 emails from you, they're just going to, like, leave the group. They're going to, like, you know, have nothing to do with you. So, you know, two or three things a week is not bad um, in terms of sharing. Again, I mentioned it, but I will rephrase it. It's not Facebook. It's not a place you want to put your personal photos um, or your personal information. So um, employers access to social media and usernames and passwords. Um, since social media started, employers felt and still feel um, to some extent that if you are working for them or you are interviewing with them, they should have access not only to your professional password um, for your social media at work, but they should have access to your personal password and information for your social media at home. Because of this, uh, a lot of states started passing legislation which forbids employers from asking you for your password or social media information. Pennsylvania and New York, I do not believe, have passed a law yet, but New Jersey um, has, and um, I'll show that in the next second. So um, you are protected from an employer asking you for your personal um, information in terms of social media um, for obvious reasons. So in New Jersey, this is the law that prohibits an employer from asking you for your password and personal information to your social media accounts. Um, so it pro prohibits requirements to disclose usernames or passwords or other means of accessing account or service through electronic communications device by employers. That just got, that just got signed into law this year, August. So remember this photo? Anybody? I'm sure we've all put up photos that after we think about it, we're like, oh, God, why did I put that up? So before when Facebook started, it was super hard to get rid of stuff once you put it up. It was like, oh, God, this is going to be a real positive. Now it's a lot easier to clean up your Facebook account and clean up other accounts. So if you're applying for a job, the first thing I would say is clean up your profile before you apply. You know, get rid of all those pictures, you know, remove anything that's negative, um, and ask your friends who've tagged you in photos, and we know who they are because they always pick the worst photos to tag you in. You know, the kind of photos that you're usually like drunk or, you know, you're asleep and there's slobber coming out your mouth or whatever it is. That's the photos they'll tag you on. So, you know, you would want to ask those friends to untag you or to remove those photos. Um, you want to be thorough, and I'm not just talking about Facebook, but any um, kind of social networking account that you have. 
you can always take down your Facebook account temporarily or just shut it down temporarily um, if you really want to hold on to your photos. Um, or just don't post them in the first place. So maybe from today on, you'll start thinking about, well, if I post that and I apply for a job a month from now, I'm going to have to come back in here and do some extra work, so maybe I won't post this horrible photo of myself or my friend or whatever it is. Remember, employers are judging you on your photos. They're judging you on what you say. They're judging you on whether you use discriminatory comments about other people, whether you use negative language. They're also judging you about something very important, which I tell people all the time because when I was working at the state, I would get the opportunity to interview people. And one of my pet peeves was, you know, when I would interview someone for a job, and the first thing out of their mouth was, my last employer sucked. My last employer was like horrible. They, you know, they would make us work overtime. They would, um, you know, do all these crazy things. They would, um, whatever it was, it was like, okay, well, right off the, the mark, if you do that online, whether you do it online or an interview, that interview is not going to go well for you. You know, you saw from statistics that employer hate, hate that, and that will be one of the reasons why they disqualify you. So if you have any negative comments like that about employers or previous or past, remove them or take them down. Okay? So I, I like this picture. The guy looks like he's having fun and drinks a lot. Um, so again, inappropriate pictures, take them down. Sharing confidential information about employers, just like we just said, you don't want to do that. Um, lied about qualifications. If there's anything I learned about resume writing and putting stuff on resumes is that you can take your regular job and make it sound exciting without lying. You know, you can use words that make your job at Quickie Mart sound like the best job in the world. Um, you know, by using active language and language that talks about what you actually do, you know, your resume will be great. Um, you don't have to lie about your qualifications. You don't have to, like, upgrade your qualifications. Um, sometimes being honest is what employers are really looking for. You know, and they know if you're just starting a job that you're not going to have, like, a million things that you've done. So they're, they're looking for honesty lots of times. Poor communication skills and grammar. Again, of course, um, if you look at your profile and it's just full of like, you know, street talk or it's just full of like, you know, negative language and stuff like that, that's not going to be good. Um, so we said what gets you hired. Um, your social media accounts support your qualification. You present a good fit for the company. Um, you have a professional image. <clears throat> and you're creative. Employees are looking for creative people. Um, they don't want just the same old humdrum. So how do you clean up Google? So when you Google yourself, and I'm assuming some people here have, and Googling in yourself is not anything bad. It's just going on the internet um, and looking yourself up. Um, you may or may not find out, find positive or negative um, articles, information, whatever it is, stuff on your Facebook about yourself. So when you do that, you want to go three pages deep or four, 
it's up to you. Uh, because employers are a little lazy, you know, they usually don't go past the second or third, but you never know. So, and then work your way back and see if there's anything negative. If there is something negative, you can go to the people who own those pages and ask them to remove that if possible. If you can remove them because you own it on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, then I would suggest that you go back and remove it from your own um, web pages or social media. Um, it's not that hard to do, but it's time consuming. It's a pain, um, which is, I guess, the reason why some people don't do it. You can also hire a company to remove negative information about you on the web. It's not cheap, but you can do it. So other resources, Twitter. Um, you can do uh, job aggregators to, through Twitter. Um, and job aggregators are simply you follow someone who, or a company that's a job aggregator, and basically what they do is that any um, jobs that come on the net with your keywords or whatever will go right to your Twitter account or your Facebook account, and they'll say there's a job, you know, whatever, a person doing stock, or there's a job, a person, you know, teaching, or whatever it is. Websites like Monster and the other usual, um, which I didn't talk about today, um, basically are great resources as well. Um, and you can find not only um, tips about, you know, social media, but you could tips about employment. YouTube is really great, and I use it for a lot of things. Um, but YouTube is great in terms of tutorial. Like, you know, how do I fill out a resume? How do I um, apply for a job online? Type in any keyword about what you're trying to do and you will get people online who've done a video on it and will take you step to through step in terms of what you need to do. All right, so that's my contact information, my phone number, and my Twitter account handle, which is at disabled, which is spelled T-H-I-S-A-B-L-E-D. So I think now I can take some questions, right? Okay. By the way, I feel like Star Trek with this thing on my head. <laughs> Any questions? The worst experience? Well, I'm sure that has something to do with our Governor Christie, but I think I recalled that email. Um, no. I don't know. I, I'm sure I've done a lot of stupid things online. I'm sure. Um, Twitter is really bad because, you know, you get 140 characters, and you think it's not going to do a lot of damage. But you can do a lot of damage with 140 characters. Um, you know, you could put something out there nasty about someone, and, you know, it could eventually come back to bite you. I guess... I'm the type of person that if I have something to say, I'm just going to say it. It's not the best thing I would recommend for you guys, especially if you're looking for a job. Um, but it's not. It's just my personality, I guess. Um, but it has gotten me a lot of Twitter followers, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I mean, I, I've known people who have gone for, like, really good jobs that they, they're qualified for, and they've told me that they've heard that the employer has looked at their Facebook account and did not give them the, re did not give them the job because their Facebook account really doesn't reflect, like, the person they are in the employment realm. Like, they're great at their job, but when they go to Facebook, they'll post like the worst pictures, the sloppy pictures, the drunk pictures, um, and and you know that impacted that one person negatively. Um, I do have a funny story since you asked something horrible that happened. Um, well, I teach a class at Rutgers, and last spring uh, I was teaching a class. And, you know, there's always embarrassing things that happen when you have a disability. Um, so I have a leg bag, obviously, um, and one of the things that I use a lot is my electronic leg bag emptier. So I like go outside in the grass and empty my bag or whatever. Um, so last semester, I'm in a class with like 40 juniors, seniors in college, and I'm like talking, and I accidentally hit my leg bag switch here. And I basically emptied my whole leg bag in front of the class. And it was a pretty weird scene. Um, so that was interesting and embarrassing. Maybe not funny. It's funny now. <laughs> All right, other questions? Anything about social media or any experiences? Huh? Google me, you will not, there's nothing there. However, there's, there are people with the same name as me who have extensive online profile that really has nothing to do with me. And if you knew me, you would know that it isn't me. But if you were looking at a job application, if you were reviewing it, there, you might not know that it wasn't me. Right. So on my application, like if I were to submit a job application, I'd like to say, it ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I mean, you could take a proactive um, role and basically set up a social network account because employers like to know that you're at least involved in the modern world. Um, so if you're like a cave person, and you're not that you're a cave person, but if you're like not involved in anything, they're going to be like, why is this person, like, is this person in the CIA? Is he, like, whatever. So, um, you know, you could be proactive and just set up a nice account. It doesn't have to be anything great. But at least when they go up there, they'll be able to distinguish between you and someone else. They'll be like, oh, yeah, this is the person we saw. This is their picture. You know, this is what we talked about in terms of their qualification. So that's proactive, and that's going to help you in terms of getting that job. Um, whereas if they just go on there and they assume it's you, and they don't give you the job because someone else has your name and a negative profile, then that's going to be like, well, they're not going to tell you. That's not, they're, they're not going to ever come out and say, we saw your Facebook profile. We're not going to give you the job because of that. They're not going to say that. But then that's a risk you take for not having you know, a separate account out there, basically saying this is who I am. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Other questions? Somebody? Hi. Um, you're We're talking about being honest and 
up front in your, uh, for example, LinkedIn account. Oh, there you are. I'm Sorry. right here. Hi. I was just wondering, should you put in your disability uh, status in your LinkedIn, just so you be upfront and the would-be employer would yeah. look at it, it's like, oh, okay, might want to see you or not want to see you, especially now that they have a mandate of 7% of their employees is supposed to be, I mean, giving chance to uh, disabled people. Okay. Well, two questions I, um, that you have. Should you um, disclose your disability in your LinkedIn account? So, you know, th there's, there's arguments either way, not just LinkedIn, but generally, you know, should you disclose to the employer that you have a disability? Obviously, when I apply to a job and I show up to an interview, the employer knows I have a disability. Um, when you have uh, not a disability where the, per the employer can't tell that you have a disability, should you disclose? Um, so, I mean, that's a personal choice. My personal opinion is, you know, I wouldn't worry about that till I got the job interview. So your LinkedIn account should look just like everybody else. You know, your LinkedIn account should be about your qualifications as a person to do whatever job it is that you're going to do. If a headhunter, recruiter, employer calls you up and says, I want you to come in for an interview, then you worry about your disability. Then you say, well, you know, just so you know, you know, I may need some reasonable accommodation or I may need whatever it is. But other than that, I would say, Keep it general, keep it just like everyone else, and it's all based on what you do, what your qualifications are. Now, in terms of the 7% that you just talked about, the 7% um, only applies to um, people who do work with the federal government, if I'm correct, Joe. Um, people who do work with the federal government, and they have to hire 7% of their employees have to be people with disabilities. That has nothing to do with private employers. It has nothing to do with state government. Um, you know, so it, it's sort of a small slice. Um, and overall, you know, I don't know statistically what that will turn out to. Um, but, you know, again, it's a small slice. And just so you know, no employer has to hire anybody. Um, you know, people think, oh, there's the Americans with Disabilities Act. The Americans with Disabilities Act never says actively, you have to hire X because they have a disability. The employer will hire you based on your qualifications and based on what you can do for them. And that includes the 7%. The 7%, they're not gonna go out of their way to say, well, we're gonna hire someone because they have a disability. They're gonna hire you because you have a disability and you meet the job qualifications. So it's a big number, but again, they don't have to qualify. They don't have to hire you if you don't qualify. Right. Well, right. obviously, yeah, but then I also got actually uh, a call from BBR. I don't know if you're up for that. That they actually, the financial services now are actually mandated also to hire, of course, with qualifications, 7% of their employees in, uh, with disability. So that's the latest that I have gotten from uh, division of vocational and rehabilitation. Oh, what? Yeah, and what actually, they're even willing to uh, train 
people to have that skill to be able to work in financial services. Oh, we are doing something. Yep. We are something. So it's the first. Not only for federal, that's for you, Jamal. Any other questions? I'm sorry. You have a question in the back, and then I think I got to wrap up and let Fred uh, do his presentation. Good. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Javier. Uh, it's really great to follow Javier up because Javier is talking about what it's going to take for you to connect with employers. What I want to talk a little bit about are some of the accommodations that level the playing field when it comes to doing jobs, doing your job no matter what kind of job it is. Um, my name is Fred Chang. I'm the Director of Assistive Technology Services at Advancing Opportunities. Advancing Opportunities is a nonprofit organization. Our job is really to help people to know what kind of assistive technology is out there and how it's going to help you to be able to reach whatever goals you have. Okay? So we help people over the phone. We talk to people about what their funding options are, about what kind of technology is out there. We have a mobile service where we do evaluations, whether it's job site accommodation or home accessibility, or maybe it's you're going to college and you're looking at some educational accommodations. No matter what kind of goal you have, we'll come out to you to do an evaluation and help you figure out what kind of technology is going to help you to be more independent. And finally, we do have a service through the mail. If people want to borrow stuff to try it out, you know, you've, maybe you've seen something, maybe you see something here at the conference, you want to try it out and see if it would help you. Now, how many people here have ever bought, bought something from a store and then returned it? Really? Why would you, why would you have to? I mean, you, you got it. You knew what it was, right? Why did you change your mind? What happened? You didn't like the way it worked? It broke, so it shows it's not sturdy enough for your lifestyle, at least, right? So um, the idea of the technology lending center is, well, a lot of the specialized technology is not just available anywhere. You can't just see it anywhere. So we want people to be able to borrow things, to try it out, right, before you pursue funding. Okay. Now, these are things that are small enough to be able to send through the mail, so, you know, but they're, they're, they're all kinds of assistive technology. Um, now. What do we mean by assistive technology? What do you think of when you think of assistive technology? <laughs> OK, that's good. That's a good broad, something that helps you accomplish something. What are some specific examples? Hand controls on a car. What else? What's that on computers? Oh, that's right, screen readers on computers, okay, for someone who's blind or visually impaired. Software to be able to talk into, okay? So there's all kinds of assistive technology out there, but I want you to think very broadly about what we mean when we say assistive technology, okay? 
we all use tools. Okay? This little monkey up here has figured out to use a stone, right? To extend our abilities. Right? Iron Man uses tools, uses technology. The truth is that as human beings, this is what we do. We invent things to help us to do things that we couldn't do otherwise. How did I, I get here today? Did I walk here? Uh, now, I don't live down the road. I, it would have taken me like days to get here if I walk, tried to walk here. I drove a car. What's wrong with my legs that I had to use some sort of special technology to get here? Well, I have limitations, okay? Our bodies have limitations. So we invent tools and technology to go beyond. Okay. Some people are taking notes here. Why are you taking notes? What is the limitation you have in your brain that you can't remember everything you've ever heard? Okay. We all have limitations and we invent tools, technology, anything outside of our own bodies to be able to do more. So I don't want you to think of assistive technology as any different from any technology. It is just technology. It is a social construct of disability that defines assistive technology. But really, they are the same. It is just stuff outside of yourself you use to help you to achieve things. I want to give a little example of something that's not high-tech because so often people think technology, they think high-tech things. Um, we were, this was a job site accommodation we were doing where uh, someone was working in Burger King, uh, putting together salads, you know, working behind the counter kind of stuff. And the normally it's a standing workstation, right? So standing workstation, person using a wheelchair, can't really reach those things. Um, so what kind of accommodations could you imagine doing for someone like that? Lowering stuff, right? You could lower it, but then this is a workstation where multiple people are using it. So there are people who are standing using it too. What else? Making it adjustable, making something that can go up and down, right? Okay, so there are lots of ways of modifying the environment to make it accessible for a particular job. And, and this is not the kind of thing, like Burger King is not going to install this in every single restaurant all over the place. That's not going to happen. But if somebody has a particular job and they need an accommodation, what we're going to do is take a look at the situation and work with the employer, understand what the goals are, not just for the employee, but for their employer, and then look at what modifications are possible. In this case, what we did was we installed a, a shelf underneath the existing workstation that they could pull out so that they could move, the, move the, the salad fixings and everything low enough for the employee to use okay, when it was her shift. Okay. So that, and we had to be careful about what materials because this is, this is food handling. Right? So you have to make things that are, that are going to be compatible. Okay. So I, again, I just like to give that example because not all assistive technology is high tech. It means taking a look at the world around you and modifying it to do what you need to do. I know that all of you have made things or found things around the house that you end up using as an accommodation. To give me some examples. Step tool. Step tool. How, how have you used that? There you go. Step stools. What else? What else have people used? I have one. Yeah. I have 
I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. I love that one. Rubber ball. Okay. What else? What else do people use? What's that? A reacher. Yeah, I mean, reachers. You know, the universal, uh, I need something and I can't get it kind of tool. All right, so I know that everyone has, is creative. We are all creative and we come up with ideas. And that is the heart of what you need when you're looking for assistive technology. You need to think widely, right? And some of your best resources are each other because people have been down that road before, right? Um, so I wanna make sure that we're not only looking at jobs, when you're thinking about jobs, not only looking at jobs that, need, that don't need accommodation. You might look at a job and say, well, I can't do that because I can't lift whatever that thing is <laughs> to be able to, uh, to do the job. Well, maybe you could with accommodation. I think we need to focus on your interests, not on your disability. Okay. What are you passionate about? What are you interested in? We want to make sure not to limit your job choices. Okay. If you only think about things that you think you can do or other people think you can do. I want to make sure that we, I share with you a couple of um, resources on the internet. Um, I want you to explore on your own. Um, I'm going to, let's see, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit. Okay. So I'd like you to visit uh, our website, assistivetechnologycenter.org. Okay. Uh, Javier mentioned YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, there's a little link to you, the YouTube channel on the top right of the website. And there we have a video series we call AT Stories. Okay. We've gone around the state to videotape, take AT stories from people who use assistive technology and how it made a difference in their lives. Okay. I think this is a, a really, sometimes when people have not used it and they're wondering whether or not it's going to be useful for them, it helps to hear from someone else, right? So if you know someone, that's great. But if you don't, I want you to know that there are people out there. One of the ways that we communicate with each other is through YouTube. So in, in, in addition to hosting some of our own videos on this topic, we are curating, collecting YouTube videos from around the, well, over the internet, basically of all different kinds of users who are out there sharing how they do things, uh, how can they do things more independently using assistive technology. Um, I also do want to let you know that on the website, um, we do have both um, the Technology Lending Center. So if you want to be able to borrow things and try things out, there is uh, a way for you to be able to borrow things. And you can see the kind of technology we have you go on the website. And we do, if you like, if you're the kind of person who likes to keep up on technology, we do have a blog that you can subscribe by email. Uh, we also have a Twitter and a Facebook account, so you can, if you prefer that way of keeping up. Okay. And so we try to keep people aware of times when we're doing workshops on assistive technology, right, doing presentations and workshops, or we've added new things to the Technology Lending Center or we're just sharing some news, like some of the new accessibility features in uh, iOS 8. You know, so on the new iPhones, what are some of the, the neat accessibility features? Okay. 
Um, I, uh, I want to say to you that I'm going to stick around. I'm going to be outside there in the hall uh, at the booth that says Advancing Opportunities. So first of all, if, if you didn't get a chance to write down the website, you can pick up a brochure. It has the website on it. Also, if you want some individualized demonstrations of some assistive technology, if you want to just see some stuff or try stuff out, please stop by. Um, and we can show you some things and have you try some things out. Any questions? I know being right before lunch is the kind of thing you just want to make sure to be on time. I will say that most of the ways that we serve people is through DVR. We're usually working through DVR when it comes to, for example, accommodations for college um, or accommodations that are job site accommodations or even some home accessibility. Okay. Sometimes people ask about that. I'll let you know. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much, Fred and Javier, as well, for great presentations. All right, a couple of housekeeping things before we start the break. So um, we are right about at 12.30. And so we will have a break now, so you feel, can feel free to leave the room if you need to go to the restroom or otherwise have a change of venue. What we will be doing is delivering your lunches to your tables based on those little tickets that you gave us before. If you didn't give us a ticket, we've been taking notes for those of you who let us know what your meal choices are. But I'm sure there will be a few folks who get missed because so many of you came in this morning. So we're going to deliver things things and then we're going to check in with each table and make sure that anyone who's missed gets covered. So fear not, there will be food and we thank you for bearing with us on that. And then also related to lunch, we will help get rid of the, the trash because there will be box, big boxes. So we're going to do that during the break. So if you just hang on to them during the keynote, we're going to do that during the break so that we don't um, disrupt Charles when he is speaking to you. Um, another housekeeping thing, someone dropped a heart pendant necklace, a gold necklace with a little heart on it. So if you are missing it, it is at the registration desk, which is down the hallway near the doors where the, the uh, parking lot was. And we will happily return it to you. Um, and then uh, I think that covers it for now. So if you have any questions, let us know. Thank you for bearing with us as we get those lunches delivered. And we will see you back here at 1245 for our keynote. Thank you so much. <laughs>